Well, thank you, Pastor Yeomans. It's a joy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And yes, I was going to bring up that lost in Israel. I will take the blame. I will take the blame on that. I guess I don't speak Hebrew. That's what we get out of that story. Uh, we got around. We had a really good coffee, though. I found we, I th- we, we found the coolest coffee shop ever, but that has nothing to do with homecoming or anniversary or anything at all. But thank you for the opportunity and uh, Pastor Yeomans and family for inviting us. And uh, thank you for the goodie bags. I should say goodie luggage. When we got to my mother-in-law's apartment, by the way, I'm Carolyn Kember's son-in-law. She will never tell you that, okay? But she will deny that, probably. But we got to the apartment that had these bags. Now, these bags, I could sleep in them if I chose to, but they're filled with candy and all kinds of good stuff. So it's a good thing that, um, you know, I'll probably go shopping for clothes next week. I'm guessing it won't fit anymore. But thank you for the opportunity, and it's a joy to be here. Let's go to Romans chapter number 12, if you would, with me. And I could say the same for your pastor, an encourager. And uh, sometimes I'll get a random text of prayer and encouragement. And anytime we get together, it's uplifting, and I appreciate that. I appreciate his faithfulness, and uh, I really appreciate his steadfastness as well. It's a joy to be here and spend some time together this week. And a happy birthday, Bible Baptist Church, I guess. Right? Would you say that to churches? No, not really? Okay, all right. Either way, so it's good to be here. And Romans chapter number 12, I want to talk about reaching out to folks that are maybe difficult to reach out to. If you're anything like me, it's easy to do good to people who do good to us. Isn't that fairly simple? I mean, you scratch your back, and I'll not usually slap you. I'll usually, you know, scratch yours back. However, sometimes there's some people that it's a little more difficult. But if you really stop to think about it, the people in whose lives you could have the greatest impact for Christ are people who are hard to love. Because people who are easy to love have tons of friends. But people who are hard to love, let's just be honest, are prime targets for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start the reading in verse number 17 and go down to verse number 21. It says here, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, and that's a big big three words, if it be possible sometimes, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with good. Tonight I want to speak on this subject, choose to win. Choose to win. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, as always, needy. We need you. We need the Spirit. We need your Spirit to use your word and apply it to our hearts. Even if I could guess the needs and the struggles and the battles of everyone here tonight, even if I could guess, I would be unable to meet those needs. But you are able, and you know us better than we know ourselves. And perhaps there's someone here tonight who is overlooking an opportunity to make a difference in the life of someone who honestly has not been kind to them, who's not kind to anybody, somebody who's just, people would say, unlovable. But as we say that, I want to thank you for loving me. I want to thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. And through the time spent in your word tonight, I ask that you would change us and show us specifically and 
even personally, how we can take this passage of Scripture and how we can apply it and how we can be your hands and your feet in reaching out to people, people who sometimes are hard to love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If we're going to please Christ, and if we're going to be the people, the disciples of Christ that Christ wants us to be, we are going to have to separate what we do from what we feel sometimes. And quite honestly, we have to separate our actions from our circumstances. Because sometimes you get into a circumstance where the natural response would be to lash out or to fight back or to stand up for your rights. I know I get in these situations where, honestly, it takes creativity to be nice to that person. I mean, I don't know, Pastor Yeomans, I don't know if it's happened to you. It's happened to me. I mean, I remember when we took the church or we merged the church we were pastoring with the other one, I mean, it went well for a while, and then, I mean, I remember one guy. I think he made it his mission in life to make sure that I was going to get driven out of that church. And I remember going to church sometimes with a knot in my stomach. And, I mean, if I saw him, he's usually in the back corner, usually talking about me. I could do nothing right. I had no quality, which is true. But at the same time, I mean, he was more than glad to point it out. And I'm sure you have people in your life that, honestly, it would appear that you were their favorite target And any time that they could, they would say something or do something. And let's not be more spiritual than we really are. It's tough. It's tough to love them. But, you know, think about this. If they're being like that to you, they're being like that to others, and maybe there's just no one being towards them like Christ is towards us. If we're going to do what is going to be natural to us, it'll be hard to reach out to people. To reach people for Christ, we can't do what's natural. We have to be intentional in doing what uh, Christ wants us to do. And a disciple of Christ has to act contrary, sometimes, to human nature and contrary to our circumstances. As a Christian, sometimes if you're hungry, you're called to feed the next guy. When you're thirsty, you're called to give a drink to the other person. If you're in pain... Because of someone else, sometimes you're called upon to be silent, and when someone speaks ill of you as a Christian, you're called to speak well of them anyway. That goes against our human nature. A few years ago, um, I went to a boxing class, a few boxing classes. Not because I was a pastor, okay? Not because I had some church situation that required it. One of the men in our church is a boxing coach. Back in his homeland, he was a amateur but you know semi-professional boxer and he was giving these boxing classes so I figured well this could come in handy with some people but no I was doing to try to get rid of some of the goodie bags I get at Bible Baptist Church but in all reality so I went to this boxing class and you know what I found feels good I mean, you know, I hated the exercises. I hated like he had these 18 stations. All right, now you're going to do these pull-ups. You're going to do these things. I'm like, nah, give me the bag because that's natural to me. I mean, when you get those gloves on, you can't get them off without help, you know, because I'm that experienced. Now they're strapped on there. It's me and the bag. Oh, man, that felt good. But that bag usually had a face in my head. Right? Or had, that bag had a name. It wasn't just Everlast. I mean, it was Chris or whatever, whatever the name. I mean, I just took it out on that bag. It's better on the bag than on the person. But boxing is natural. I mean, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. You say something about me, and I'm going to say something back about you. Restraint is not natural. And we like to repay 
Evil for evil, giving good for evil is less natural for us. But if we can take the truth of these few verses tonight, if you seriously will apply them, I guarantee you, whether they get saved or not, you will reach some people with the gospel because of these verses. You'll make a difference in some lives. You're going to reach people if we'll just apply these verses, but I'm going to warn you before I even get into my first point here in a moment. This is going to go against human nature. But you have the Spirit of God living in you if you're a Christian. And the Spirit of God can produce things through you that are not not natural to you, but that are only natural to the Lord, but he's going to produce them through you. Notice, first of all, a choice. A choice in verses 17 and 18. Recompense to no man evil for evil, Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. A choice. Your behaviors come from your choices. My behavior comes from my choices. Even when something is spontaneous, you get cut off on the road and you respond, or whatever the case might be, you might think, well, that just came over me. Not really. All my behaviors come from my choices. Even if I think it just happened in the spur of a moment, it came from a choice that I made. Everything we do comes from choices that we have made beforehand. Let me give you an example. When I was a teenager, I was working a job. My dad was my boss. I was working in the warehouse at a HVAC company, shipping and receiving. And uh, there was a man, his name was John. <sighs> John was the, one of the meanest men I've ever met. John, as soon as he walked into a room, I'm not making this up, he would find someone in the room and he would make fun of them. He would have a wisecrack about some woman's hair, about some guy's clothing, about somebody's accent. I mean, as soon as he walked into the room, he would find a victim, a target, and he would go after them. And he'd go, he had the weirdest laugh. <laughs> it sounded like straight out of a movie. And, you know, he, but one day I asked my dad, as we're driving home, I'm like, Dad, why is he like that? What's his problem? And my dad said, Eric, you have to understand something about him. I know him from before. And he was picked on when he was in school. Because John, and I'm not trying to be funny, he was very short. People would often make fun of his height. And clearly he got abused so much that one day, he may not have verbalized it, but he made a decision. I am going to be making fun of people before they make fun of me. Now he was a 55-year-old man, and he was the most unpleasant individual, but he was the way he was because a decision he made. I'm done being made fun of. And you know, that person that's being, however they're being to you, there's a reason. And that reason is probably not you. And the solution to the reason why they're being like that, there's only one answer to that, and that's Jesus. They need Christ. And the way they're being to you is the most eloquent way their life could say, hey, I need Jesus. They need Christ. And we have to make a choice that we're not going to render evil for evil. We're not going to do to them what they do to us. Look at verse 17. Recompense to no man. That's pretty exclusive there. No man. No man. Anyone. Nobody. A recompense to no man evil for evil. Look at the next verse. If 
it be possible, which suppose it's sometimes it's not possible, but if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. The, the expression there, as much as lieth in you, it means anything that's coming out of you better be good. Now, he might do something bad, she might say something wrong, but what comes out of you, let that be good. See, part of the situations of life happen to us. The other half, we supply. There's some things about your life that are going to happen whether you want it or not, whether you're nice or not, whether you're filled with the Spirit or not. Some things are just going to take place. However, there's that part of life that comes from you, that lieth in you. And about that part that lieth in you, you have to make a decision. You have to make a choice before that conflict arises, before you see that lady at the office tomorrow, before you see that guy, before you see that neighbor. I mean, I have neighbors that are hard to love. We have a lock on our gate because of one neighbor, that guy. I mean, every time, if you need a tool, okay, he's going to say, hmm, I think that lady 11 doors down has that in her, in her shed. How do you know that? Because he's always in everybody's yards, and if you leave your garage door open, he's going to be in there snooping around. He's hard to love. But he calls me the prophet. Okay? He's Muslim. He calls me the prophet. And we've gotten opportunities to witness to him. And Melissa and I were outside one time. His daughter, who's a teacher up in the Northwest Territories, was home on a vacation. And she crossed the street, and she said, thanks for being nice to my dad. Nobody's nice to the guy. And I can see why. The problem is, I don't get to be bad back. Because I have someone living in me whose name is the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we had to make a decision. No matter, I mean, when we started the church, he called the city to say, hey, there's a church meeting in that house. And we had inspectors show up. I mean, I mean, if you do anything, if you carry a board of lumber into your house from Home Depot, you better have your city permit in your hand because he's going to call them and say, I think they're doing reno's without a permit from the city. I mean, he is hard to love, but you have to be, you have to love him back. Now, he may not always be good to you, but you have to love him back. You have to make that decision because if you act spur of the moment, you're going to say something back to him. But that's not what God is calling me to do. My choice is this. I will seek to do good to everyone. Others may hurt me, but I will do good to them. doesn't mean your life won't have conflict. It will, because it says in the verse, as much as in, is in us. It says, as much as lieth in you. You're only part of it, but you can make the choice. So tonight, if we're going to reach people, let's make a choice. Anything coming out of my life is going to be good. Any word coming out of my mouth about people is going to be good. Yeah, but you don't know what they said about me. That's exactly why we have to make the choice. We're going to say something good. But notice, secondly, a renouncing in verse number 19. A renouncing. It says here, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay saith the Lord, a renouncing. No, no, look at those words. Give place unto wrath. 
That literally means give wrath, not your wrath, but God's wrath. Let give God's wrath the time to do its work. We live in a, a world where we want everything right now. You order your phone, you wanted it yesterday. If they say you'll get it November 5th, you're angry. You're calling. You're letting them know. I mean, Amazon Prime isn't fast enough anymore. I don't know if you have it in St. Thomas in Montreal. We have same-day Amazon delivery, and I find that slow. I mean, <laughs> I'm by the door. Where are they? You know, I mean, we want everything right now, right now. And we especially want justice right now. You say that about me? <laughs> yeah, you're getting it. You're getting it back, and I'm not going to wait. Now, sometimes we wait because if we wait, it can, we can hurt them worse, right? Revenge is a dish best served cold, okay? See, you're carnal. You need this sermon, you know? <laughs> now, they say revenge is a dish best served cold. I, I read this study by some Dutch psychologists. They did this fairly recently, and they studied 2,000 people between the ages of 16 to 89, and they studied their revenge patterns. It's fascinating. Now, do you know that only 16% gave it back right away? The other 84%, so you can reach them for Christ. Most likely... Unless you're a super saint, there's someone in your life right now that you cannot stand. Maybe, humanly speaking, with good reason. Would it be possible that God has allowed that situation to happen in your life? Your life, not the other guy's, your life. God allowed it to happen in your life because he knows that you're his child and that this can become an open door to reach them with the gospel, to do good to them, maybe to be their friend. I mean, it may not be a short-term thing that they'll be in church next Sunday getting saved, but you can reach out to them and you can stun them just by being kind. The revenge study they did Damaging a car was one thing that was being done. Disclosing secrets, making false accusations, trying to get them fired, humiliating them, gossiping, lying, and breaking a promise. But what does their verse say here? It says in verse 19, rather give place unto wrath. Now, it's not talking about your wrath or my wrath. It's talking about God's wrath because it says, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Here's something that might be comforting to you. If somebody harms you and you're a child of God, the Lord notices that. And he doesn't just not notice. He makes a note of it. The scripture says that when people will stand before God someday, books will be opened. Now, there's one book. That book is the book of life, the Lamb's book of life that contains the names of all those who are saved. And I hope that your name is in that book. But then there's other books. And every man and woman will be judged according to their works, which includes whatever nasty thing they did to you. It's written. And if they do not get saved, that will be on their record. That will be on their account. Now, I'm not trying to fan the flames of our flesh and just say, ha, he's going to get it. That's not the point. I want to reassure you, child of God, that if you don't get even, and sadly they don't repent, 
they will be held accountable for what they did to you. God does not, he's not blind. He, he doesn't not see. He sees it, but as he sees it, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And sometimes God allows these things to happen to me because he wants me to be like Christ to them. See, if they, if, it happened, if they did it to another guy who doesn't know the Lord, they would be a boxing match. You did that to me, I'm going to do that to you. But as a Christian, I have a golden opportunity to show kindness when kindness is not shown to me. Why? Because I am God's witness. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. In other words, leave it alone. Let God work in their life. You know, some things take time. Wrath, God's wrath is one of those things. If God's wrath did not take time to work, I wouldn't be here tonight. The moment I did my first sin, boom, I would have been judged. But God is long-suffering, and he is merciful, and he is gracious, and that's why I'm here tonight. And God is just as merciful and gracious in their lives as well. And we, sometimes you just got to give time to God to do what God does. You, you have to, for example, I mean, if, you're, if you want to eat a lasagna, okay, you can put all the pasta, you can put all the cheese and all that, put it in the oven, close the door, open the door right away. The lasagna is not cooked. I know this is rocket science. You have to give the oven time to work. Recipes always annoy me. They'll say preheat to 350. That already, 350, that takes a while to get there. It takes minutes to get to 350. Then I have to leave it in there for 45 minutes while I wait. See, in food, we understand the concept. Anybody ever had one of your children um, get sick and you had to scrub the rug? I know we're in church. We shouldn't talk about that. That's gross. But you know what my spot shot that I have? It must be a Quebec thing. Because I spray it and I have to give it time to work. It's annoying. Psh, and the stain's there or the dog did something. And psh, and he'll say, let, let the product act for five minutes. You have to give it time to act. Then after it's gotten all that junk out of the rug, you scrub it and it's clean. What does the verse say? It says here, give place unto wrath. See, God can turn the oven at 350 in their life. His goal isn't to cook them. His goal is that they'll get out of the fire, they'll get out of the heat before it's too late. He's doing all these things as he wants to bring them to himself. And he's asking you and me tonight to put these verses into practice so that we can reach some people that nobody else would reach, that nobody else likes. If you want the meal to be cooked, you've got to give it time. If you want justice to be done, you have to give it time. I need personally to learn to give up my own timetable for justice. Will God square the account one day? He will. But better yet, maybe they'll come to Christ. And then his blood will wash away their sin, including what they did to you. But otherwise, when will God square it? Tonight, I don't know. Tomorrow in 10 years at the great white throne judgment, I don't know. But the Lord notices what's done unto us. And he's saying, leave it in my hands, okay? I will take care of it. Best case scenario, they come to Christ. Their blood, the blood washes them white as snow, fills them with the Spirit, and they become a new creature. And you just gained a friend, and you gained a brother in Christ. That's what we want. If that fails to happen, I can guarantee you one thing. 
God will swear it. God will settle it. But better yet, well, he wants to save them. But I want to notice thirdly in verse 20 some actions. See, choices are not demonstrated by words. They are demonstrated by actions. I could get up to you, to you and say, I became a vegetarian, okay? I'm about to break that promise as soon as I can, okay? I mean, I can say it, doesn't make it true. However, next time you see me, you said, hey, are you still eating just vegetables? Just eating pulse and water. Then at that point, maybe I could have proven that I turned vegetarian. I have no intent, by the way. I'm just saying, I could have proven that. Actions speak louder than words. We know that. Look at the actions God is asking in verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, now here's what we do. <laughs> I can hear your stomach grumbling. I love it. Or feed him. Hmm. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. We demonstrate the choice that we're making tonight together by actions. They're simple actions. They're nothing, you know, they're not, it's not, it doesn't say take them to Hawaii on a holiday, okay? It just says meet their needs. When you see that they have a need, be there. He's hungry, feed him. He's thirsty, give him to drink. A choice is not demonstrated by words. It's demonstrated by actions. And this is one principle of the Christian life that I need to be reminded of often. Sometimes, just because I did not do something wrong, I think, wow, Lord, I am a good disciple of Christ. No, the Bible does not ask us to not do evil. It asks us to do good. Now, not doing evil is important, but that's not enough. If all I did is to not do something wrong, I've done nothing. The Bible says, I don't want you to just not hit them back. I want you to do something for them. I don't want just restraint. Restraint is fantastic, but restraint is not enough. God wants us to act. He wants us to do something to reach them. If someone hurts you and you hold back, you didn't really do anything exceptional. There's unsaved people who won't hit back. If someone speaks ill of you and you just keep quiet, you haven't done anything exceptional because there's shy people in the world who take it on the chin and don't say anything after. But if someone hurts you and then you do good in return, now you're like Jesus. If someone speaks ill of you, but then when, you, when they say, hey, what do, you think about, and this is, what do you think about him? And he's the one who spoke ill of you and you say, you know what, he's a hard worker and you know, he deserves that day off he got, you know and you speak well of him, now you're being like Jesus. Restraining from evil, that's good. That's a good thing. But that's not what we're called to as Christians. We're called to do right things, not just abstain. So from the bad ones, this verse here is a quote from Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire on, upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Much of my life, when I read this expression, heaping coals of fire on the head, I always thought it was kind of like taking his head and dunking it in the barbecue. Lit. Okay. I thought coals of fire is like, you know, I don't know if you have a coal barbecue rather than propane or natural gas. I thought it was like taking the tongs, taking a sizzling hot rock and sticking it in his hair. Ow! <laughs> Take another one, stick it. I thought, 
I thought this meant that by being kind to him, it's somehow going to hurt him and set his hair on fire and scar him for life. Now, that's the exact opposite of what the Bible is saying here. It's saying, do not repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine. So what does the Bible mean when it says to heap coals of fire on his head? I'm going to disappoint you here. I checked anywhere between 10 and 10,000 Bible commentaries, and nobody knows. Nobody knows what that exactly means. The best that I could find was in ancient Egypt, they had a very weird tradition. If they were repentant of something they did wrong, they would take a big pan, like a frying pan, they would fill it with hot coals, put it on their head, and walk around. It was kind of like the same idea of sackcloth and ashes of the Bible. I'm really sorry for what I did, so I'm going to put a pan on my head with these coals and walk around. That's the best I can do for you tonight. I have no idea what this means, and again, I don't feel too bad because most people will just say it's unclear to us what this was referencing culturally. We do know one thing, though. It was something good for the person. Heaping coals of kindness or coals of fire on their head, whatever it means, it means helping them to repent. It means in context, making it more likely, I guess, that they will come to Christ. Because in their moment of hunger, you're giving them food. In their moment of thirst, you are giving them water. In the moment where that single mom who is so rude to you doesn't have a babysitter, you come through for her. Or the day that that neighbor has a flat tire and he doesn't have a mechanical bone in his body, doesn't even know what a wrench is, you go and help him. The day that you, you fill in the blank, when they have a need, you are there. That is heaping coals of fire on their head. And whatever that meant to first century readers, you are saying there's something different about me. And what's different about me is that I have Jesus and I want you to know him too. You are giving them a chance to get under the blood before they show up at the judgment seat. You're giving them a chance. You are reaching out to them. God does that for us. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. See, sometimes as Christians, we think that being a witness is knowing a thousand verses by heart. And I'm all for knowing as many Bible verses as you can. But sometimes the most effective way to give, to, to, to be Jesus to someone before you ever say a verse is to open your toolbox or to babysit or to show up with a meal. Sometimes the best way to reach someone for Christ, but before you get into like a 45-minute explanation of the gospel, which I hope you get to do, okay, that's important. You cannot preach the gospel without words, without God's word. But sometimes the greatest impact that we have is simply in being kind. That same job that I was referencing when I was a teenager, I worked there when I, during my summers when I was in college. 
one of the engineers who was engineering uh, heat pumps and air conditioners. His name was Zbigniew. Zbigniew was from Poland, and he was a rank atheist, and he hated Christians. And he would always insult you with a grin on his face. It was really hard to take. One day he looked at me, and he, I, I can still picture him. He's leaning on his elbow, and he looks at me with a smirk. He goes, so you're studying to be a pastor. Yes, sir. Then he says to me, why, 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 why wouldn't you want to do something useful with your life? My thoughts, I'm going to, now I'm going to share one with you. I just let it go. And I remember clearly the day I walked into his office and put a coffee on his desk because we had an extra one up front. He looked at me. He says, why are you being nice to me? And I didn't, I didn't preach a sermon. All I remember saying was, because Jesus loves you. I walked out. Now, I, he didn't work there long after. I do know that other Christians there got to witness to him a lot more deeply than I ever did. But sometimes, just a cup of coffee, helping with a car repair, helping fix a faucet, giving a meal is a great way to reach someone for Christ. And it's triply so if they've been wronging you in some way. Sometimes the greatest hurts that we get are the greatest opportunities for people to know who Jesus is and how Jesus can transform a life. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, Jesus said, but sinners to repentance. God loves showing mercy. Now for him to show mercy, someone has to have wronged him. He loves showing mercy. And the more we become like Jesus, the more we will love showing mercy. But it's not going to come natural for us. It's, it, it has to be decided ahead of time. It has to be a decision. I am going as much as is in me, as much as depends on me, I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to be good to people even when they're not being good to me. Notice lastly in verse 21, the victory. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. In human thought, if a guy hits you and you hit him back harder, you won. In God's books, you lost. The victory is for the one who by the Spirit of God can be like Christ. Evil cannot overcome evil. Only good can overcome evil. It says, be not overcome. Now, as I wrap it up, you say, well, what you're asking is really hard. Well, I'm not asking. God's asking, but this is hard. I agree with you. I want to remind you of something, though. All spiritual victories are obtained by faith. Only by faith can we do this. Only by faith. Now, what is faith? Now, faith, for someone who's not saved, is to no longer trust in themselves, but to trust in Christ alone and his shed blood for salvation. But for us who are saved, if you're a Christian tonight, if you're a child of God, faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. That's faith. When you trust the Lord enough to do what he says. So someone has wronged you. Someone has done something to you. You would think something like this. Lord, 
I really feel like getting them back, but I won't because I trust you. I trust you that this situation is going to be resolved either now or at the judgment, but what I would really want is for them to come to Christ. So as much as my flesh is screaming for revenge, as much as I would love to rectify this right now or in 12 months, whatever the case may be, I won't because I trust you. I trust you that your plan is best, and I trust you enough to do what you're asking me to do. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So whatever has been done to you or said about you that you're thinking about even as I speak right now, I would like you to exercise faith and say, Lord, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm going to do what you say, not because I feel like it, but just because I trust you. Now, I want you to give me opportunities, Lord, to give them that cup of water or give them that food to eat or whatever modern application we could make with anything, any needs that people can have. By faith, Lord, I believe that you'll square this account. You're going to make things right, and ideally you'll make things right by plunging them over the crimson flow. But if not, if they don't come to Christ to get saved, I trust you that you'll make this right in your perfect time. I read a story about a farmer in Nova Scotia. His name was Melvin Burns. And he made an unusual offer. There was a thief running around their area of Nova Scotia, stealing tools, stealing pigs, stealing chickens, stealing all kinds of stuff. Now, Mr. Burns had a bio farm. He was growing biological things, and, you know, he had bio chickens, whatever that is. And he had all these different things. And he put an ad in the paper. And he had $1,000 worth of, stool, uh, of tools stolen. Not stools stolen, that would be pretty gross. But uh, tools <laughs> stolen, sorry. And he had chickens and he had pigs. I mean, different things were taken from him. And in the, in the ad, he wrote, to whoever is stealing our stuff, not only do I want you to come forward and I will forgive you, but if you come forward, I will give you a job. Because by getting a job, not only will you become an honorable person, not only will you feel better about yourself, but you will provide for yourself and your home better than you will by stealing. The story doesn't go if the person ever got, came forward and ever took the job. But Mr. Burns, as far as I know, doesn't know Christ, but he was offering to render good for evil. If he can, can we not? By doing good to them, you will have the victory. But more importantly, you will be victorious in the sight of God. We can only do this by faith. But if we will exercise the faith to do, to do this, we will be God's hands and feet. We will be his instruments to reach people. And if everyone in this room were to do it, I am almost certain But by homecoming 2023, should the Lord tarry us coming, there might just be someone in one of these chairs that has come to Christ because we were like Christ. We need to exercise faith to do it. In what situation today that you are living right now could you do good to someone who is hurting you? I hope the Spirit will show you and will help you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I will be the first to admit that I have not always, really not always, put this into practice. Sometimes, by your grace, I have. And that's by your grace. 
However, I want to reach people for Christ. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want people to see Jesus in me. And I, above all, I, mean, I want my life and my family's life to be useful to you. And I pray the same for all my brothers and sisters in Christ gathered here tonight. I pray that you would help us to be obedient to the Spirit and do this as we seek to reach out to people around us and especially people who are prime targets for grace, people who seem so undeserving. I pray that you would help us with this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.